Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome to the show. I am fired up on this morning. This afternoon, this evening, this night. Whenever you are listening to this, I'm fired up. And it didn't I didn't I didn't plan to come in this way. Right? I had no intention of coming in fired up. But, you know, I'm prepping my show notes, I'm putting things together, I'm doing a little finishing touches. I start getting text messages from my friend. Oh, buddy, buddy. I want to bring up the Daniel Jones conversation. Well, oddly enough, I had some Danny Dimes stuff today. So I'm going to start the show with that. Because it's top of mind now. It's brought up. The argument already started. They got me fired up. So now it's time to go. What up, Cyber Family? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I'm your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! So as I said, I wanted to start with this Danny Dime stuff. So my question that came into my brain was this. After Daniel Jones... After Daniel Jones... Had a miserable showing versus the Seahawks. And as the Giants just looked terrible in general, my question was, well, how good? Because, you know, you hear these things. You hear, oh, Daniel Jones is good. How good? You hear these things like, Brian Dayball, he's a great coach. How great? How great? I just wanted to know. So here's what I'm going to say. Do you know? That dating back to the beginning of last season, the Giants got out to a great start. Six and one record to start the season last year. Great. Brian Dayball, his first year as head coach. Oh my God, he's doing an amazing job. Daniel Jones at that point in the first seven games was completing 67% of his passes, 1,223 yards, six touchdowns, only two interceptions. He's playing phenomenal. That's what it was. Six and one record. Do you know? From that point, from October 23rd of last season, when they were sitting at 6-1, and one, the New York Giants have gone on to be 5-10-1. That's including the playoff win last year. 5-10-1. Uh-huh. And since October 23rd of last year, which roughly comes out to about 15 games for Daniel Jones, pretty much a full season, right? Minus two games. Since that point, since being 6-1, and one, he's completing 67% of his passes. That's great. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic number. But he only has 3,183 yards. That's below league average. That amounts to 6.6 yards per attempt. It's not good. So not a lot of yards. A lot of completions, not a lot of yards. He's thrown 13 touchdown passes. So mind you, we're talking about a 15-game stretch. He's thrown 13 touchdown passes and 10 interceptions. Oh, yeah, you started off 6-1. and one. It was looking great. Everything was perfect. Danny Dimes finally figured it out. Brian Dayball, perfect coach. Everything's great. 5-10-1 record. Daniel Jones, 13 touchdowns and 10 interceptions in those games. 
I don't think the Giants are worse than last year. I don't think Brian Dayball is coaching worse than last year. I don't think Daniel Jones is worse than last year. It's the same thing I said last year. Expectations matter. Last year, the Giants were expected to be absolute hot dog water. And when they weren't, when they weren't, when they were just okay, just solid, everyone overreacted because they're expected to be so bad. The fact that they're even competitive is, oh my gosh, unbelievable. Brian Dayball, coach of the year. I even said last year, like, how is he the coach of the year? You started off six and one. You finished the year with nine wins. How are you coach of the year? It started off great, but then it kind of came back down to reality. Once you started looking at the Giants as being more than what they really were, which is just okay. When the expectation shifted to, oh, they're good, you started to look at them differently and say, oh, wait, they're really not. They ain't all that, huh? Danny Dimes was expected to be a complete disaster. And because he was just okay. Because your expectations were so low, you ended up falling on the line of, oh, he's he's having a really good year. No, he didn't. 15 touchdown passes from an NFL quarterback is not a really good year. I don't care what metric you put it on. I don't care who we're talking about. Not a single one of you will look at Sam Howell at the end of the year with 15 touchdown passes and say he had a really good year. We, we wouldn't accept that from any NFL quarterback. But you want me to accept it from Daniel Jones? Why? Because he was expected to be worse than that? No, I don't accept it. He didn't have a good year. But he didn't turn the ball over, man. I don't care. He also didn't make any plays. You started off 6-1. and one. You've been 5-10-1 since. Now, you Giants fans want to come to me and talk about the offensive line, the offensive line. He's got no help. He's got no help. He had the same damn line last year and had a great year, according to you. Why can't he do it now? He was running all over the place last year. Why can't he do it now? Oh, would you like to know why he can't do it now? It's very simple. The answer to this problem is very simple. Saquon Barkley. Last year, you had Saquon. You had a running game. You had a legit running back who defenses were worried about. You had a running back who you could dump the ball off to a bunch of times, and he could make things happen. That's what you had last year. Guess what you don't have right now? Saquon Barkley to make plays for you. Hey, you want to know a little secret? I'm willing to guarantee you when Saquon Barkley comes back, the entire team looks a little bit different. Which is the exact reason why you didn't need to pay Daniel Jones last year. You didn't need to pay him. Pay Saquon if you're going to keep anybody. Pay him because he's the reason Daniel Jones can be as good, quote-unquote, as he was last year. But you people, you Giants fans, you Danny Dimes supporters, want to make it about everybody else but him. What has Daniel Jones done to make you say, oh, man, if only... If you put, you know, the, the, the favorite thing that they love to say, what, what you guys love to say is, if you put, what quarterback could you put on the Giants and he would do better? Um, Most of them. Most of them. Yeah, I think if Patrick Mahomes played for the Giants, I think the Giants are a better team. Yeah, I do. 
I'm I'm pretty confident in saying that. I think if you put Joe Burrow on that better team, uh, Lamar Jackson, better team, um, Justin Herbert, better team, uh, Ryan Tannehill, better team. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? The truth is, is your season last year was based off of Saquon Barkley running the ball and you guys running play action for Daniel Jones and bootlegs and capitalizing off of that. They were loading up against the run. Daniel Jones had wide open windows to throw to and he was able to take advantage of some of that to some degree. Now it's not that anymore. We don't have to worry about the run game. Y'all ain't running the ball. Sorry, you can't run the ball. You don't have that back anymore. So now we're going to make the windows for Daniel Jones smaller and say, we'll figure it out. And he can't. He can't. Do you forget that coming out of college, people were wondering, why the hell are you taking Daniel Jones at number six? It wasn't because the people just didn't like him. He just has no it. He's just, he's okay. He's okay. He was okay coming out of college. Like, he's all right. He's okay. The difference between him and Mac Jones is he can run and Mac Jones can't. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending this is difficult. Let's stop pretending we don't understand what it is. Daniel Jones is being forced to be the guy. Number one, you're being forced to be the guy because we paid you like the guy. So now that we paid you, now we we can't, we don't have the money to go invest top dollar into other places. We don't have it now. You took it. You're eating up the cap. So now we need you to step up and do more. Well, what could he do? What could he do? He can play better than he is now. He can move a little bit. And if you want to blame somebody, don't blame the offensive line. Blame the coaching staff. Because the coaches know who's on the offensive line. The coaches know who's in the receiver room. Hey, remember when Darren Waller came and, oh my God, what a great signing. What a great weapon. Yeah, has he made a difference at all? Does he play? Apparently, you didn't need a pass-catching tight end. You needed a blocking tight end because Daniel Jones has no time. Oh, man, so glad you got Waller. What a, what a weapon he is. But nobody wants to talk about that. Mm, nobody wants to mention that. So if you want to blame somebody, blame that coaching staff for not putting Daniel Jones in a position to be successful. You have to know what he is, and you have to know what he isn't. Stop asking him to be what he's not. He can't do that. It's not who he is. And that's fine. But you can't keep making excuses because nobody else, we don't accept it from anybody else in the NFL. Tua in Miami never got excuses. If he doesn't play well, you're not going to make an excuse to say, well, the offensive line is bad or this is bad or that is bad. We don't care. He's not playing well. Baker Mayfield, for his entire career, has not been getting excuses. I've been calling him average-ass Baker, and I don't care what his offensive line looks like. I don't care what the receiver group looks like. I don't care. He's average. Nobody's talking about the offensive line in Houston with the Texans. Nobody knows. I don't know. I don't care. C.J. Stroud's playing well. Joe Burrow had a historically bad offensive line with the Bengals. And he had an average defense, a really bad offensive line, and ran through the playoffs and made a Super Bowl run and damn near won the Super Bowl. And in fact, on the last drive, last play, was failed by that offensive line. 
Oh, he was driving. The offensive line couldn't hold up. Aaron Donald got in. Game over. Patrick Mahomes was in a Super Bowl making superhuman plays because his offensive line was missing both of the starting tackles and I believe the starting guard. Offensive line was terrible. Kept him in the game, though. They were competitive, though. Did I come in and say, oh, offensive? No, I didn't. I held him responsible. Like, yo, you got to do better. You still got to play. I didn't hear anybody coming. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we don't accept it from nobody else. But for whatever reason, Daniel Jones gets the benefit of the doubt to say, oh, it's an offensive line. What do you want him to do? Sorry, Giants fans. You, I know you're trying to protect your guy. For I don't know why. Maybe because you don't see a replacement anywhere. But, like, sorry, the guy you have is just okay. Look, I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't like Dak. You'll never hear me argue that Dak can get it done. Dak cannot get it done. If you rely on him to win the games, he ain't going to get it done. Sorry. Yeah, that's my quarterback, and I'm rooting for him, and I hope that I'm wrong. But facts are facts. Like, every situation he's been in where we need you to play, he can't come through. Except the fact that Daniel Jones is just not that guy for y'all. He's going to need a lot of help. And Brian Dayball, who everyone wants to, you want to claim that he's a great coach, great coach. Yeah, 5'10 and 1 in the last 16 games as a head coach. 5'10 and 1. We, we don't accept it from anybody else. Mike McCarthy was about to get, people were calling for McCarthy to get fired coming off of a 12 and 4 season. People wanted McCarthy to get fired after. After going 13-4, and four, winning a playoff game, and then losing, they said, oh, get him out of here. Do better. Brian Dayball gets to walk around, starting 6-1, and one, going 5-10-1 in his last 16, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it ain't his fault. It's the offensive line. Get out of here. I'm done. 14 minutes on Daniel Jones? Nah, not doing it. Danny Dimes? Trash. <laughs> it's that simple, man. It's that simple. I'm only this I'm only this upset about it because it bothers me because nobody gives Justin Fields a pass because of the offensive line being bad. The Bears have a bad offensive line. We know that. But nobody's looking at him and saying, ah, what do you what do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? The Chargers have had issues with their offensive line for the past couple of years. Now they've got some good names, but they've had injury issues. It's been a it's been a, a bit a slight bit of a mess. But nobody's looking at Justin Herbert and saying, ah, oh, it ain't his fault. Look at the offensive line. Nobody's giving him a pass. Nobody gives Joe Burrow a pass. Joe Burrow right now is not 100% healthy. He's playing like garbage. Nobody's giving him a pass. I don't like that, I don't like that we pick and choose who we want to give a pass to. When it's Daniel Jones, oh, it's not his fault. It's the offensive line. When it's Lamar Jackson, it's not the offensive line. Lamar Jackson can't get it done. It's a fact. You pick and choose who you want to give that defense to. And we're not doing it no more. Hold everybody accountable. Hold everybody to a certain standard. Daniel Jones has done nothing in the past two years to convince you or anyone else that he is able to elevate players. That he is able to take, hey, give me just solid guys and I can elevate them. Say what you want. Say what you want about Tom Brady and how good or bad you think he may or may not be. Outside of Randy Moss, he had not, he did not have a single receiver. Not a single one. 
that you felt like was elite or you felt like was anything more than just, eh, he's okay. And he found a way and he managed to take away to say, ah, let's figure out the way we can get the best out of this. The fact that his best receiver was his tight end, like, come on, bro. Stop. And Daniel Jones, you got Darren Waller, right? You got Darren Waller, your safety blanket, your big play guy. Oh, my God, seven feet tall. He's, he's amazing. Look how great he's going to he's gonna be great for us. No, he ain't. I tried to tell y'all, Darren Waller, what are, you, what are you getting Darren Waller for? Do me a favor. Peek up. Peek up. And look at Sam Laporta in Detroit. Look up, uh, look up Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo. Yeah, those are tight ends that were available in the draft. There's a lot of tight ends that were in the draft that you could have gotten in the draft on the cheap that would be producing a lot more for you than Darren Waller. Because Darren Waller ain't going to block and he ain't going to fight for nothing. There's a guys, if the guys are that good, teams aren't just letting them go. Remember when everybody talked about Antonio Brown? Oh, he's so good. He's, yeah, Pittsburgh knew this guy. He's cuckoo. He he's cuckoo. It ain't. It's sorry. It ain't gonna work. The Raiders traded for him. He ain't even play for them. He was fighting about a helmet. He's cuckoo. We gotta let him go. So when you get him, you're like, oh, look who we got. Like, there's a reason why he was available. It's a reason why he was available. Darren Waller was available because he's a nutcase. Because he has all the potential in the world, but he has no drive to meet it. And he's a baby. He'll pout. So don't get him the ball early. He's going to pout. And he's limited to what he can provide for you offensively. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Y'all got me going already. We need to question how Brian Dayball is a great coach based on what? Based on what? Right? Based on what? Daniel Jones is really good and needs more help based on what? I'm interested to see what happens when Barkley comes back. I bet you, you all sing a different tune. I bet you the offensive line, no longer a conversation. I bet that. I take that bet. Let's move on to other quarterbacks. So the Jet, the Cowboys absolutely demolished, absolutely destroyed the Patriots. And I just want to say, something came to my to my mind in my realization. Mac Jones, everyone looks at Mac Jones and says, Mac Jones is no good, he's no good, he's no good. It's not that he's no good. Here's what Mac Jones is. Put him in a perfect situation, he can be great. Put him in a less than perfect situation, and ain't going to work. That's it. In Alabama, he was in a perfect situation. He had weapons everywhere. He had a good play caller, a great defense. He didn't have to do much. If he made a mistake, it was okay. He was going to get bailed out. No big deal. Perfect situation. He was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. Go to the NFL. Situation's not perfect. What do you have? What are you left with? He's okay. And at times it could be really bad. But he's never going to be great because he can't elevate. He needs a perfect situation, which is why I'm urging the Patriots to say it's time to move on. Bailey Zappi goes in the game and just has a whole different demeanor. He looks more focused. He looks more determined. He looks like he's trying to make plays. He looks like there's a little bit of energy to him. 
Mac Jones just looks like frumpy and like he's just trying to get through it. Bailey Zappi looks like he's he's ready to fight and compete. It's time to move on. Bailey Zappi needs to play. It's that simple. Mac Jones, it, it, he can't do nothing with the situation if it's not perfect. If it's not a perfect situation, you're not getting you're getting absolutely nothing from Mac Jones. This weekend coming up is going to be uh, what I'm going to call the most important game of the NFL schedule. That game is the Cowboys taking on the 49ers. That is the most important game of this season, and here's why. Not just because I'm a Cowboys fan. Let's take that off the table. It's not because I'm a Cowboys fan. If you had to pick right now, who you think is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, I'm sure 99% of us would just go with the 49ers. They've got a great defense. The offense is is pretty good. They're stable. You trust them. It's a brand name. You probably just going with that, right? That's, That's probably safe to say. Well, the Cowboys are in a position where they need to prove not only to us, the fans, but to themselves that they can beat a top team. And the 49ers have been a thorn in the side of the Cowboys since the beginning of time. It, it, it feels like it comes down to them all the time. Going into this game, the 49ers are favored by four. The Cowboys are looked at as being really good. These two teams are, it, it's, it's expected to be a great game. But the Cowboys need to win this game. Because if the Cowboys win this game, and let's say for some reason they win it going away, the level of confidence they walk away with, the level of confidence they walk away with could propel them to a Super Bowl run. And if they lose this game, well, then you're right back to, up oh, same old Cowboys. <laughs> Can't get it done against the best teams. They're going to beat up on the Patriots and all these other teams that are no good and the Giants and all that and the Jets. They'll beat, yeah, they'll beat them up. But when they come up against a good team like not, nah, they come up short. That's just the way it is. They need to win this game. They need to. See, I don't think the 49ers are going to lose anything if they lose this game. I still, I still think they walk away feeling like, ah, okay. But what I'm saying is the power shift that can happen if the Cowboys win and get that confidence to say, yeah, you can now puff your chest out and walk saying, we can beat anybody. And if they go in and they dominate this game the way they've been dominating some of the other teams on the schedule this year, if they go in there and do that, oh boy. But if they go in there and play like they did against Arizona and get beat and get handled, well, now a lot of doubt creeps in. And that's why I think this is the biggest game of the year. I don't think there's another game bigger than this because I think the Cowboys and the 49ers are probably the two best teams in the NFC. So this comes down to, can the Cowboys get that mental on the level of being, no, we're one of the top teams. We can beat anybody. Or are they going to flounder as they typically have done in the past? 
I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I'm just presenting the the question. It's it's a it's an incredibly important game. I can't wait to watch it. Let's move on to something I saw this weekend that I thought was fantastic. And that is Justin Fields' game this past weekend against the Broncos. Now look, it wasn't fantastic because it was perfect. It wasn't. It wasn't perfect. There were some mistakes. He threw a pick, fumble. Uh, they gave up a massive lead. It wasn't perfect. But what I think, the reason why I love this so much is because I think in this game you saw you saw a little glimpse, a little flash of what Justin Fields can do. You saw it. You got a little bow, a little taste of what he can do. And for me, it was great because I told you last week I was done with this Bears situation. One of them has to go. Either Justin Fields has to get moved or that coaching staff has to be replaced with somebody who believes in Justin Fields. I think why it was so great for me was you looked at that game and you saw, oh, Justin Fields, like, okay. He could do some things. If we can get a coach in here who can who can look at Justin Fields, right? And can get the best out of him. You have a player there. Justin Fields is not a is not a bad player. That's what I'm going to say. Justin Fields is not a bad player. He's a good player. I just think he's in a situation that it's just not working. The whole situation is not working. He came in as like a savior for the franchise. Finally, we got a quarterback and then turned into a run for your life. We're going to make you into like a running back type thing. And then it turned into having success that way to now we want you to sit in the pocket and throw the ball. And it's like, okay. And then that's not working. And it's like, well, let's. Do a little bit of this. Like, what do you... It's like... And it just feels like he's... he. It's the same thing I said with Zach Wilson. It just feels like he's not out there playing football. He's out there trying to do what he's being asked to do. It doesn't look natural. It doesn't look comfortable. It doesn't look like he's having fun. He doesn't look happy. And I think that level of talent, you have to at least give it a shot to say, let's pair it with somebody who can who has the offensive know-how to maybe be creative enough to get him in situations that excite him and can and can maximize his abilities. Because I think in that game you saw the guy can play. I don't think that game is a fluke. The guy can play. So I loved it because I think it crystallized that that, that coaching staff needs to go. Chicago has a player at quarterback, and they need to get a coaching staff in there that can maximize that player. That's my opinion. Another quarterback news, Zach Wilson, quote unquote, outdueled Patrick Mahomes uh, on Sunday night. Um, and, and Jets fans and sports fans are very encouraged and excited for, for Zach Wilson. Uh, I watched it. I wasn't that impressed. But again, I... I was happy for Zach Wilson at times because at times in that game, it looked like, again, just like with Justin Fields, like he was just playing football. Like he wasn't worrying about trying to make a perfect. He was just out there playing and he looked comfortable and confident. It looked like he was getting a little bit of his ego, his swag, his confidence up. And that's important. And that's important. 
I do think that that's going to carry over for the rest of the season. I do think we're going to see a slightly better Zach Wilson than we saw in the first portion of the year because I think I just put yourself in that situation. Imagine what it must be like to be the man in high school, the man in college, you come to the NFL, you're the man, then you have some struggles. Then the fan base is trashing you and we need something better. And then you spend about four or five months with conversations swirling around about your team trading for your replacement. And you hear that every day, all day, every day for months. Then it happens. They trade for him. There's no conversation about what happens to you. There's no conversation about where you go or what the game plan is. It's just, hey, move over, kid. We got this better guy. Everyone shows up to training camp raving about him. All of your teammates go. Love this guy. Tweeting, sending messages, Instagram posts, flying out to hang out with him, inviting him places. They're like best friends now. They love this guy. Your teammates are so happy you've been replaced. You got to go to practice every day. You got to go into meetings every day. You go through the preseason. You play well in the preseason. You're like, all right, whatever, man. This is my new role. Cool. The first game of the year, they roll out the red carpet for your replacement. All the media hype, the excitement, the fans, everybody's cheering. Jersey sales going crazy. Everybody's there for him. He gets hurt the first series. You now have to run in the game. Could you imagine? Now you have to check your ego, you have to check your pride, you have to check all of that at the door. Because even though you were annoyed, even though you were angry, because it's only natural that everybody in this huddle looking at me right now was so excited when they had the other guy. Y'all were so excited, writing messages, making secret handshakes, all this other stuff that we never had. You had all that with this new dude. Now you looking at me saying, hey, uh, welcome back. So now I have to check all that. And now you're going through, now I have to play, now I have to go through the game plan, it's a new offense, we got this new guy who was not here for me, who's here for him, who doesn't really know what I like, and we're trying to figure it out together, he's calling plays that he would call for Aaron, well I can't really do that, I don't really get it like that, or whatever the case might be, and now you're just in that position, the media is bashing you, killing you, the defense is throwing shots at you, and it's just a mess, could you imagine, sounds like a nightmare, now, I'm not saying he's not to blame for some of this because had he performed the way he was supposed to, they never would have got Aaron Rodgers. But that still doesn't negate the fact that, like, imagine what it must feel like to be in that position. And now I can imagine that it's like, you know what? you you you. It took a couple games, but you're like, I'm, I'm not worried about that no more. I'm not trying to be liked anymore. I'm not trying to be a favor. I'm just going to go play football because my my career is not going to end up here. So let me just go play football and do what I do best and do what I know how to do and just go out there and play. And I feel like that's what we kind of saw in that Kansas City game. But I'm going to just go out here and play. For better or for worse, good or bad, it doesn't matter. I'm going to just go play. That's what I saw. That's what I liked. That's what I'm excited about for him as an individual. Uh, but I'm also excited because I don't think him playing that way makes a difference. I think they still lose. I think they still miss the playoffs. And I still am right when I said in the beginning of the year, with or without Aaron Rodgers, this team ain't making the playoffs. I hold on to that. I want to move over to college real quick. Um, and there's not really a lot to touch on when it comes to college. Um, 
there's not much to talk about. But the one thing I wanted to talk about is Colorado is still the talk of the town. And in their game against USC, uh, I felt like they mirrored each other. These two teams were the same. And the problem with these two teams is the same. And it raised a question where I asked myself, I think I know exactly what Deion Sanders is going to be as a coach at Colorado. Now go with me here. Deion Sanders is going to have no trouble recruiting athletes. He's going to have no trouble recruiting linebackers, recruiting secondary players, corners and safeties. No issue with running backs or quarterback or receivers, the guys who are a little bit flashy. Right? He's going to have no problem. He's no problem with that. If you're a corner, you want to go play for prime. If you're a safety, you want to play for prime. If you're a receiver, you want to go there. Running back, you want to go there. You know who might not be so excited to go there? Offensive linemen. There's no flash to offensive linemen. You don't see offensive linemen in commercials or with endorsement deals and doing all these big brand deals. Not offensive linemen. You know who else might not really be a defensive lineman? Because there's so many. Like, let me ask you a question. If you have the the option, let's say you're a 17-year-old kid, senior year of high school, you're dominant, you're in the top 300 in the ESPN rankings, right? You get a call from Ohio State who has Larry Johnson, legendary defensive line coach. They pump out defensive linemen into the NFL every single year. Okay? He calls you and says, I want you to come play. I want you to be here. We're offering you a scholarship to come to Ohio State. This is what we do. We build defensive linemen. We get you to the pros. Then you get another call from Dion. It's prime time. Go to Colorado. To do what? Like, there's no, there's no track record. There's no history of that. Like, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be great and wild and da-da-da-da-da. We're going to be on TV all the time and this and that. But, like, are, you're not getting... It's not going to be the same level of coaching. There's not the same pedigree there as there is at these other places. Places like Wisconsin are going to get offensive linemen. Notre Dame's going to get offensive linemen. Are they going to start going to Colorado because of... The flash and the glitz and the glamour and because of the excitement of Colorado? Like, I don't know. See, Colorado's issue is not skill players. They have skill players to compete with anybody. The problem is the line, offensive and defensive line. Defensive line-wise, they can't stop nobody with the run and they can't get no pressure on the quarterback. They need defensive line help. The secondary's fine. The secondary's fine. Even the linebackers, to some degree, are fine. But that defensive line is weak. They get pushed around. Look at the Oregon game. What was the problem in the Oregon game? The offensive line couldn't block nobody. Defensive line couldn't stop no run. They couldn't stop nobody. They couldn't get no pressure on Bo Nix. Game over. So my question, I think what Dion's going to end up being is one of those teams just like Lincoln Riley. Who they're going to put up some great numbers. They're going to win a bunch of games when push comes to shove. And you're in one of those big games against a team with really good defensive and offensive lines. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma was the same way. He can recruit skill players. He can recruit offensive players. But man, that line, the offensive line, defense for Lincoln Riley is a problem. It's always going to be. 
It's just not something that he like really players aren't going to go there for him because they know that's not his specialty. They're going to go somewhere where they feel like this is what this team does. They're going to make me better. I'm not going there because I want to be flashy or whatever. No, they're going to make me better, get me where I want to go. So my question was, is, and will be for the next few years because we need a couple of recruiting classes to see how it goes. Is Dion going to be able to get the offensive and defensive lines right? It's not the NFL where you could just sign free agents and you could just say, well, who's the best offensive lineman on the market? Bring them in. In college, you do have to kind of guesstimate. You do have to know what you're doing. When it comes to the lines, I don't think Dion has ever, I don't think he knows the line. It's not his fault. Like, come on, some some coaches, some defensive coaches in the NFL don't really know offense. It's not their specialty. They give it to the right guys. Now, Dion has enough friends and enough connections to where he can get really good defensive legends in there who can maybe help with the recruiting of the defensive line and coach him up and do that. And maybe that's the route he goes. But I just think it's going to take a while for people to believe and get confidence in the fact that going to Colorado as an offensive lineman is the best choice. That's all I got with college football, honestly. Um, yeah, even the game itself, like I, you know, kind of means nothing to me. I know you might say, "Whoa, Colorado almost won!" Like, yeah, but like they covered the spread, but. It don't matter. Wasn't that interesting? Anyway, so uh, I know I said we were going to do the quarter season review. Uh, I started realizing that that would be a daunting task to go over every single thing. So there's a couple things, uh, a couple what I would call grand statements that I made before the season started that I wanted to review to see where I stand on it. And if I agree, if I'm feeling like this is going to blow up in my face, or am I still on track to be absolutely right? The first one I want to start with, as many of you will probably know and not be surprised at all, I want to start with uh, the cyber quarterback rankings having C.J. Stroud at number nine. Hey, I I said it at the time, that putting a rookie quarterback who hasn't played a single down of NFL football in the top 10 is absolutely insane. I understand it. It's crazy. But as I also said, you can't name me 10 guys more talented than C.J. Stroud. It just, it's not going to happen. There's not 10 quarterbacks in the NFL with more talent than he has. And uh, he's looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. And, I, and, and, and look, it's only quarter season. Right, it's only four games, but the Texans are two and two. But man, um, hold on, man, my wife is texting me, and you know you don't answer the wife right away, and you know they start bugging. <laughs> Not trying to give up the wrong guy. Listen, happy wife, happy life. That is the truest statement. You hear that? When when you hear that when you're like you're young right when you're getting ready to get married they say oh word to the word of advice happy life happy wife and you say oh, man get out of here bro yeah right I do what I want I'm a man and then you get married and you realize like ah yeah yeah <laughs> it's true happy wife happy life because sometimes man it ain't worth the headache getting your point across it don't matter it don't matter Anyway, back to what I was saying about C.J. Stroud. My bad for the for the distraction. 
C.J. Stroud is looking like a legit franchise quarterback. And I, I, I vaguely remember, I'm like, I don't vaguely, I specifically, specifically, I got to make sure I say it correctly. I remember stating, I can't be wrong on this. Like, if I'm wrong on this, the universe doesn't make sense. Because C.J. Stroud, I've never in my life seen a guy throw it so effortlessly and so perfectly consistently. Like, it just doesn't make sense. He, like, the way he throws it is just, like, matter of fact. Like, yeah, here. Uh. Like, he'll just throw it there. And it's, like, easy, but it gets there. It, it It's just accurate. Like, it, it looks easy to catch. It looks, so, it looks like he's throwing it softly, but, like, it gets there. I, I can't even explain it. And it's like, if I'm wrong, if this guy is not going to be great, then I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. I should just stop watching sports because it wouldn't it would not make sense. When, when it comes to throwing the football, when it comes to sitting in the pocket and throwing a pass, C.J. Stroud has zero flaws. Like it's zero it's it, he's so perfect in the pocket that the criticism last year was nah he's not he's not gonna run though he doesn't run the ball as much as he should that's what that's what we had to stoop to we had to stoop to can cj stroud get outside the pocket and make plays with his legs that's what we all wanted to see versus georgia hey he could be the best quarterback coming out in the draft but i don't know he doesn't use his legs like what that's the only that's the only knock on him. Then when you go through the entire draft process, what was the knock on CJ Stroud? Why was everyone like, I don't know, Bryce Young might be the might Bryce Young's the right one to go number one? What was the knock on CJ Stroud? It was two things. Do you remember? I do, because it means a lot to me. Number one, oh, he had great he had the greatest receiving room in college football. So how good is he really? I don't care how good your receiver is. If you're putting it on the money every time, the receiver don't matter. I don't care how wide open that receiver is. There wasn't guys sitting at the running down the sideline wide open. He was throwing the ball and they had to stop, catch it, and then still had enough space to run for the end zone. No, he was throwing dimes. Watch the highlight package. Dimes. If you watch every single throw from CJ Stroud in college, you will find maybe five that you say, ooh, that was ugly. Every throw. Maybe you can get to five where you say that was ugly. Every other one, perfect. Right on the money. So one of the knocks was his his team around him was too good. We don't know how good he is because is it him or is it just that everybody else was so good and it made it look easy for him? Okay, that has nothing. You're not you're not even criticizing his skill. You're just saying, I don't know. Is it him or is it the other players? He, he was great, but maybe he was only great because these guys were great. Like that. Okay, that's a bad criticism. And number two was, he's coming from Ohio State. Ohio State has never produced a franchise quarterback. Again, not even criticizing his game or his ability. You're not knocking any skill that he has. You're simply saying because of the school he came from, he can't be a franchise quarterback. C.J. Stroud right now is without question a top 10 quarterback. Without question. I don't care how the rest of the year turns out. I don't. He could go on and just start throwing picks left and right. He can. I don't even think he's being successful because he's... I don't think... The intercept doesn't matter. It's the way he looks. You see his confidence growing. You see when he throws a bad pass, he's approaching the receiver like my fault, bro. He knows. The receiver knows. There's a, there's a connection there. 
You could see that they like each other. You could see that they're look. You could see he's got the right energy, the right temperament. You hear what he says after the game. We want y'all to be proud, to walk around with Texans gear proud. We want y'all to feel good after a win the way that we do. We work hard every day so that y'all can feel confident and proud to be. Te- that's the that's a that's franchise quarterback talk. That's a guy who got drafted by a team, and from the moment he got drafted, said, I'm all in. Like, hey, was I right? Hell yeah. And I don't even take, I don't even need no credit for it because it was obvious to me. And all I'm saying, (laughs) if you're the Panthers right now, And you decided to take Bryce Young. Now, Bryce Young may end up being a really good player. Who knows? But Bryce Young doesn't look the way that C.J. Stroud looks. I think you made a mistake. I I know you made a mistake. You took the wrong guy. Hey, Jets, do you remember when I said instead of getting Aaron Rodgers, you should trade whatever it takes to move up to get C.J. Stroud? Do you remember? Do you remember? (laughs) Remember when I was saying that? Go back to the episodes. Trade whatever you need. Trade whatever you have to. Trade whatever it takes. Yeah, but they want Sauce Gardner and some first round picks. Give it up. I don't give a damn about no Sauce. I don't care about no Sauce Gardner. What's Sauce Gardner going to do with Zach Wilson there? Oh, y'all one and three. Sorry. Sauce could go. Bye. I don't need to have the best cornerback in the NFL to win a Super Bowl. I don't. So if he's the best cornerback in the NFL, don't need him to win the Super Bowl. I need that quarterback, though. Just if you're a Jets fan, ask yourself a question. How good would the Jets be right now if they had C.J. Stroud? You want to know a big X factor? C.J. Stroud played with Garrett Wilson. He knows him. They're friends. They're buddies. They are cool. You would have had an instant connection from day one. Bruh. Ah. CJ Stroud on the Jets right now. 4-0. 4-0. Probably. With that defense. And CJ. Come on, man. Come on, man. Jets fans, y'all should be kicking yourselves. Y'all are so focused on Aaron Rodgers. So you can get a two-year window. Nah, you should have traded. You should have moved heaven and earth to get that pick. Move right on up. You blew it. Speaking of the Jets, the second big, big statement that I made before the season started was that the Jets were not going to make the playoffs. And I take credit for this one because I said with or without Aaron Rodgers, they're not making the playoffs. So it wasn't like uh, if Aaron Rodgers plays, then maybe they would. No, with or without Aaron Rodgers. I said before the trade, it don't matter. They're not making the playoffs anyway. Then when they made the trade, even with Aaron Rodgers, they're not making the playoffs. Hey, I'm feeling good about that one. I'm feeling pretty good about that one. Because again, remember, with or without, it wasn't like they're not going to make the playoffs. And then Aaron Rodgers came, and I changed my tune, and now it's like, oh, so I told you not making the playoffs. It's like, Aaron Rodgers got hurt. No, it didn't matter to me. So I still hold on to that one. I had the Lions winning the NFC North. I feel really good about that pick. I think the Lions look pretty good. I think Jared Goff is establishing himself as a top 10 quarterback. Uh, I think this year in the cyber rankings, he ended up being 12 which I think is probably absolutely perfect for where he is right now. That's absolutely perfect. 
I think by the end of the year, he can find himself being considered a top 10 quarterback. I think he's been just written off for no reason at all. Uh, I, st- I stand by that one. Um, I said Justin Fields and the Bears were going to have a big year. I picked the Bears to make the playoffs. Yikes. I picked Justin Fields to have a really big year and prove that he is, in fact, a franchise quarterback. And after four games, I feel really terrible about both of those. I shouldn't say I feel terrible. I don't feel terrible about the Justin Fields pick because I I do still believe that he can. I do believe that he is still that guy. I'm more frustrated in the entire situation because something is not connected there. But as far as the team goes, boy, I thought they would be better than they are. They're terrible. I also picked the Eagles to miss the playoffs. <laughs> I don't feel good about that one. I really don't, man. Because the Eagles are undefeated. But is it just me? Like, I know the Eagles are winning, but they just seem like so unimpressive. Every week you just feel like, ah, they don't look good, though. Yes, they won. And I guess that all that's all that matters is stack those doves, but they look bad doing it. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to me. I don't know. Let's get into some picks. In college football, we have Texas and Oklahoma and the Red River Rivalry. RRR. Red River Rivalry. River Rivalry. Can't say it fast. I'm going to take Texas in this spot. Listen, I know. Uh, I just think Texas this year. Texas is starting to look like what I thought LSU would be. See, I thought LSU would be the team. That would be winning and dominant and doing all those things. But it, it, I think Texas is that team. I'm going to take Texas to continue their hot role in their hot season and uh, take care of business versus Oklahoma. Maryland taking on Ohio State. This is an easy one. I got Ohio State winning. I think coming off the bye week after that emotional win versus Notre Dame, I think they were able to go in the lab and look at that game and see what they did well, what they didn't do well. And I think they're going to come out off of a bye week and have a really great game plan and just get out to a fast start versus Maryland. Kentucky taking on Georgia. This one is fun for me because Georgia has been sleepwalking through their season. Just absolutely like not looking great, not looking dominant. And this is a spot where you have a good Kentucky team coming in and you would think, oh man, This is going to be a tough game for Georgia. I think Georgia beats the brakes off Kentucky. I think this is the type of game that Georgia has been waiting all year for. Just a game that we can can focus on and say, this is a good team. They challenge. Okay, let's go. And they can focus in. I think against some of these bad teams, they've had a really weak schedule. I think it's hard for really elite players to get excited or motivated or work incredibly hard to face like somebody that they know they're going to beat. It's human nature. Don't ever forget, these are still kids who still have to go to class, who still have girls that they're trying to get. Like, they ain't, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Immaturity is a thing, and I think that's been a result, or that's been the reason for a lot of their sleepwalking through this entire season. I got Georgia big. Notre Dame taking on Louisville. Uh, Louisville is turnover prone. Their offense is a little weak. Um... I think Notre Dame gets a bunch of turnovers. I think Notre Dame kind of houses Louisville. That's what I think. Virginia Tech taking on Florida State. This one is interesting to me because much like that Boston College game, you're coming off of a bye week and you're playing a very weak lesser team in Virginia Tech. 
Are they going to come out and give their best and be dominant, or are they going to come out and be a little lackluster? I'm just interested to see what's going to happen because Florida State, their big, big win is over LSU, which is now week by week looking less and less impressive. That's the thing that stinks about those opening games where you go against a top five team and then that team ends up unranked and like your biggest win is against an unranked team who turned out to be trash. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. But that's, you know, that's what I got for that. So I'm interested to see what they're able to do. Let's get to the uh, NFL picks now. In the NFL, I got the Commanders minus five versus the Bears on Thursday night. Look, this game has the potential to be absolutely dreadful. It could be really bad. Uh, I'm going to go with the Commanders minus five, though, because I just think the Bears, you don't know what you're going to get. Are you going to get another performance like they had early versus Denver where they were looking dominant, Justin Fields was looking incredible, or are you going to get a performance like in the second half quarter, I should say, that game where you just fell apart? I think the Commanders, they play hard. They're, they're, they're pesky. I just trust what they're going to bring to the table. The Bills minus five and a half versus the Jags. I don't look, I don't believe in the Jaguars. I don't, I don't. And I, I think the Bills are, they need to be in the conversation for best team in the NFL. I know that that's crazy because we still look at them funny after that week one loss to the Jets. But since then, come on, they've been dominating everybody. I'm taking the Bills. Falcons minus two versus the Texans. Come on, bro. C.J. Stroud is about to get the Texans to three and two. Three straight games, bro. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The Falcons are bad. C.J. Stroud is elite. <laughs> take, the, take the Texans. Cowboys versus the 49ers. The 49ers favored by four. This game is so important to the Cowboys. It means so much more to the Cowboys than it does the 49ers. For that reason, I think the Cowboys at some point have to get over the hump. They have to clear that hurdle. They have to prove to themselves and to the rest of the world that they can get it done. I think they get it done Sunday night versus the 49ers. Broncos minus one and a half versus the Jets. Look, regardless or despite what I may have said, I'm taking the Jets in this game. I think the Broncos are a mess. I think the Jets, if if Zach Wilson can come out and be confident, and come out and just play ball. And if the Jets will just say, look, we have to do whatever whatever he wants. To, we have to just let him go. I think the Jets win. I think they win easy. I think they win comfortably. So if you got the Broncos minus one and a half, I'll take the Jets. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate y'all coming back for another week. Because sometimes I'd be right. Uh, listen, follow me on all social media. Cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D. Comment. Let me know what you think of some of these takes. Let me know what you got going on. Argue with me. Fight with me. Yell at me. Say whatever you want. I don't care. Let's build the community. It's all about interaction. That's what I'm about. That's what I want. That's what I'm searching for. Let's build this cyber family up to be the greatest sports family, greatest sports dynasty in the world. Follow me. Um, follow the YouTube channel. That's Cyber Network on YouTube. That's S I B R Network on YouTube for exclusive videos. We post up content multiple times during the week. Like I said, when it comes to the college football picks, we pick all the top 25 games. Games. And in the NFL, we pick every single game versus the spread, which you can only find it there on the YouTube channel. Again, that's SIBR Network on YouTube. Uh, I appreciate y'all coming through. Listen, stay safe, be careful, love each other, love your neighbor, and uh, Daniel Jones stinks. I'll catch y'all next time. <laughs>